my babies, my children, my family deserve more of me as a mother than my career deserves more of me as an extremely high performing professional. Welcome back to the Mama To Be Honest podcast. This is episode two. I am cheesing right now because I'm trying not to laugh at our little intro jingle that I got made for the podcast. What did you guys think? It sounds a little banjo-y, so we might have to redo it, but I thought I thought it was a better intro than just me beginning to talk. After we put out episode one last Sunday, the reception has been so great. I am glad that everyone has been enjoying the first episode. I was just so surprised that it was so well received and it just motivates me to continue making these episodes and I'm excited to talk about a lot of the topic ideas that I've gotten in my Instagram DMs and and also play around with other segment ideas that I've gotten from friends and family members and listeners. So thank you so much for that initial reception. It means a ton. I hope everyone had a great week. I am coming off of a pretty exhausting week socially. I had a work on site in San Francisco this week over the course of two days. So on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, I left the comfort of my work from home environment and actually went into the office because our whole team was flying in and uh, we were having like team bonding sessions and uh, different working sessions for how we develop like our operating rhythm as a team. For those who don't know, I've worked in financial tech since 2014. I've been working in tech for almost the past 10 years. It has been such a great experience and I am grateful that my career has kind of taken the trajectory that it has over the past 10 years. I feel very fortunate to work in tech, especially now in a fully remote environment following the pandemic. So being able to work absent a commute most of the time is wonderful and it makes for a very flexible schedule. So whenever I do have to go into the office on those very infrequent days, so for <laughs> this week, for example, for our onsite, you, you kind of forget how little you socialize now, at least on a to a, a, a to a certain degree. I was so exhausted after day one. And it wasn't even like physically taxing. I wasn't walking a ton. I wasn't spending a lot of time outside. But the sheer amount of social interaction that took place over an eight-hour period was just so overstimulating. And I completely forgot how to socialize at times. I would find myself in the middle of a session just wanting to get up and go put myself in a hole somewhere. (laughs) So... That in itself made for a really long and tiring two days. 
After day one, I came home around 9 p.m. just ready to crash. I barely wanted to take my makeup off. Thank God I did. But I slept all the way until 6 a.m. the next morning and I had to quickly get ready again for day two. And it was just a lot. I'm glad to have seen everyone in person, but I am glad that these types of things are periodic in nature and I can just crawl back to my little remote working hole again. So I hope you all had a great week and that you're gearing up for next week. Hopefully it's going to be a relaxing one. We're going to touch back on work a bit later in this episode. It's actually the core topic of today's episode and a really important one and one that I have time and again encountered so many challenges with. So we will come back to work. uh, But right now I want to jump into one of the topic ideas that was submitted in my Instagram DMs from Victoria. Thank you so much for the topic, which is around balancing date nights and parenthood. Oh boy, (laughs) this is one that I feel like we are still figuring out, my husband and I, because I admittedly make a lot of excuses around why we don't have time to go on a date night and why don't we just have dinner together here when the kids are sleeping. But there is truly something so necessary around physically leaving the house with your partner while mom or grandma or babysitter comes and watches the kids while you have that actual one-on-one alone time with each other. And again, I am definitely not perfect in this regard. And sometimes we will just get so comfortable with being at home and kind of fooling ourselves into thinking, oh, we're having you know, alone time or bonding time after the kids are in bed. And we do, we have, we are pretty settled into our routine. Our kids will go to bed and we'll clean the house and get everything kind of reset. And then we'll cook dinner and then we'll just melt into the couch and watch one of our shows while, while I scroll TikTok. (laughs) Let's be real here. And I tend to sometimes think that that's enough for my husband and I to have that solo time to connect with each other. But the moment we do actually go out on dates date nights, I remember, oh my gosh, this is so great. We're at, we're out of the house. We're out at a restaurant. We're out at a bar somewhere together, spending time together and, and talking about things that are maybe not related to being a mom and dad. And we can like step aside from our mom and dad responsibilities for a night and just be able to shoot the shit on something else and remember that we are in a relationship too. (laughs) But even after we get back from nights like that or dates, those super inopportune dates, again, I will kind of sink back into, you know, this isn't the season of our lives where we need to be going on dates. This is the season of our lives where we have to be home all the time and be with our kids and that's okay and they're so young and we can we can have dates the rest of our lives but it truly is so important to have that 
one-on-one time with my husband to actually talk about things that are not necessarily about being parents and remember that he's my husband and I am his wife and we are so in love. And yes, so much of our identity right now is being a mom and being a dad and being mom and dad, (laughs) but we are also husband and wife and he's my bestie. And uh, yeah, dates are so important. Um, But I fully recognize that even after coming home from those date nights and kind of coming back into our day to day, I make those excuses. And so one thing that we have tried to do is we identify all of the resources and support that we have, which is generally my mother-in-law. She's pretty close to us in proximity. So we, as a forcing function, we go on dates at minimum once a month. That's what we strive to do. And it doesn't need to be so fancy. All it really needs to all it really needs to require bare minimum is that we leave the house and we do not have the kids with us. (laughs) So usually what that looks like for us is my mother-in-law will come over in the afternoon, late afternoon, help us get the kids dinner and get them ready for bed. Uh, Just so long as you know, one of the kids is in bed and that's usually Malachi because he's younger, he can go to bed a little earlier she can take care of of putting our older uh, toddler down, Jade. She can have dinner with her and and do bath time and, and get ready for bed. And Maurice and I can go and leave around 6, 6.30 and just have a night together. Sometimes we don't have an itinerary plan and that's okay. Like just being able to go out and do what we want. Go shopping, go have dinner, we can go to a bar, we can do all the above. But just really making that a forcing function, like throwing a date on the calendar. We pick out, it's usually a Friday or a Saturday. We pick out a random day, put it on the calendar, and it's non negotiable. And if that date doesn't end up working, we push it to another Saturday of that month, whether it's earlier or later. And even if we don't have a set itinerary or we don't want to spend a ton of money, we take advantage of the time because otherwise it would just be an easy excuse to stay home and stay within our comfort zone. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, if if we are in a situation where we don't have that support, which has happened before and we we feel like, you know, we let's have a special Friday. We will do we will try our best to do something different other than watching Netflix and scrolling TikTok and sinking into the couch. Like maybe we'll go into the dining room and split a bottle of wine or listen to an album or play a board game, which usually does not turn out well because I'm so competitive. (laughs) So it's been good for us, but more for me to just regularly check myself that it is so critically important to have those dates with your partner and just to make it a habit to put it on the calendar, regardless of if we leave the, leave the house or not. Ideally, we would leave the house. But if we're not able to, making something different about that night and maybe putting my phone away <laughs> for a few hours. And it's not easy. I mean, I, th- I think date date nights now for us look much different than date weekends before we had kids. And that is something that 
we have had to really understand too, as it relates to the season in our life. And there will be times where Maurice will want to go and do a fun weekend somewhere where we're gone for a few days. And I am usually pretty upfront with him that I'm not super comfortable doing that and being away from the kids for so long. Not that he is, but you know, I think there are different inclinations for, for mom versus dad. It's just, it's just how it is. And so he's had to also kind of be accepting and understanding that our date nights are going to look and feel different in this particular time in our lives where our kids are super young. We are in the very early stages of babyhood and toddlerhood and thinking about more kids. And so the time that we get with each other and striking that balance of being parents and being husband and wife separate of that is going to look and feel different for the time being. And I keep telling myself and we we keep telling ourselves that this time in our lives is only going to last a few years and, you know, until we stop having kids. And so being able to accept that date nights are not going to be date weekends for, for this time. They're going to look and feel different right now, but so long as we have the intention behind setting aside time where it's just us connecting with each other and having fun, then that is more than satisfying that need to have those dates and have that that special time together. And on a related note, we are actually taking a trip to Disneyland in a few weeks, just he and I, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be perfectly upfront with you guys. I <laughs> Disneyland is not my first choice. There's just, you know, I, I don't see, I don't have that innate draw to Disneyland like a lot of people do. I'm excited to experience it as a 30-year-old person because I don't think I've been to Disneyland since I was like 18 or 19. And I, I just, it's, I don't really remember. I don't remember it. And so I'm looking forward to that. But Maurice made it abundantly clear to me that he needs to go to Disneyland before we take the kids to Disneyland because he wants to fully enjoy it for himself before we have to bring the kids and prepare our mental states for for that experience. I am willing to wait a bit longer to take our kids to Disneyland until they can, you know, kind of fully appreciate it as as uh, a bit older kids. So this was my Christmas gift to him. This is so far, I think, our only trip for the year. So that's going to be kind of a long weekend for us. And so that'll be a nice kind of getaway. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm having a bit of, you know, lingering anxiety as we lead up to that weekend and, you know, planning and making sure the kids are good and, and that everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. <laughs> um, but it'll be nice to have that getaway and to really extend our normal date nights into an unfamiliar date weekend. So I'm, 
I'm looking forward to just being away and that he can enjoy making his Disney lightsaber and I can enjoy being with my husband. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the next topic. This is going to be the bulk of the episode because... I haven't really ironed out all of my thoughts around it, and I feel like I'm going to be unloading a lot around this topic. Navigating career, motherhood, and home life. Everyone's situation is different, but I feel like a lot of millennial mothers are very career-driven women, including myself. I think... From a generational standpoint, we are fairly unique because the majority of our middle school and high school years were so centered around career drive, whether that meant you're going to college or you're going to trade school or what you're going to do in terms of secondary education or certification to be successful. And I, I just feel like our generation has such a unique affinity for career drive. And maybe affinity is not the right word because in some ways we are getting to a point where we feel so overly invested in our careers. And again, I can only speak from my own experience but the majority of my life since high school has been focused on making sure I'm getting good enough grades to go to college, to get a good job, to get a promotion, to get a promotion, to get a promotion, to climbing this ladder to somewhere that is going to make my life better. And I think a natural side effect of being so career-driven, regardless of whether you like or love your career or not, a side effect of that is you have your identity so wrapped up in your career and your career drive, and it is your inherent personality to be so driven, to be so career-focused, that once I had Jade, once I had my first baby, I didn't realize how hard it would be to look at my career and the amount of time that I'm putting into my job and say, whoa, this, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> this, this is a lot. I think becoming a mom is the only other job that can compete with your full-time career. And you realize which one is more important. I don't think I need to say which one is, but you kind of have like an out-of-body experience. You kind of go into shock a bit because you have to learn this brand new job, this brand new role of being a mom, of being a parent. And it really forces you to understand that there's only so much of you to go around. And we haven't even touched on your home life yet, your your core relationship with your partner, your 
relationship with yourself. You have now such an important role that takes precedent over your career and you have to give it just as much, if not more, time than your actual career that it forces you to really sober up a bit and say, okay, there are a certain number of trade-offs here. I am not going to be able to give 100% everywhere. Let's come to Jesus real quick and, and figure out what the right balance is. And it is so incredibly hard. It's not something that I've figured out yet. It's still very much a learning process. And because you have so many areas in your life that you want to show up in, I think also part about being so career driven is you want to show up and do a good job and be well respected and be well regarded. And when you're mentality is elsewhere it's with your child especially after having spent so much time say on maternity leave or on parental leave you come back to work expecting yourself to perform in the same exact way but your your body your mind just doesn't work that way it it's I don't need to know the science behind it I just know that it does not work that way at all. So when I returned to work, both times, both times after both babies, I kind of took a look at myself and I was like, man, I am not doing my best work or why do I feel like I don't have that, not not just same level of drive, but maybe even same extreme performance that... I once had before. And it's because prior to having kids, 100% of my mental capacity was poured into work. It was poured into work from about 8am to 8pm, come home, have a, a a shed of time devoted to my husband and myself. And those are the, those were the things at the time that could kind of take a back seat and, you know, you, you don't really notice them because your, your partner is also in the midst of that too. They're focusing so much on work. And then once you have your kids, you're like, whoa, this is not something I can just put on the back seat. And your career, whatever that entails, takes the hit and it makes you feel incapable. It makes you feel like it it gives you some level of imposter syndrome. It makes you feel like you are not in the right place. And you feel guilty in so many respects. You feel guilty that you've returned to work because you want to be with your baby. It makes you feel guilty because you're focusing all your time working for some company or or something that isn't as important as your family and you feel guilty because you're not showing up for that company as much as you did before and it kind of makes you question well what the hell is wrong with me 
Why, why am I not capable of doing this? And while I'm still very much figuring it out, I have come to recognize that there is only so much I'm able to do across all of the areas of my life, but I'm able to control how much of myself I can give to those areas within really specific boundaries that I can inform and that I'm empowered to control. So the first step for me was accepting that, accepting that this season of my life, I can only give eight hours of my day to my nine to five. That's why they call it a nine to five, whatever that looks like. If that looks like a few hours in the morning, a few hours after the kids go to bed, a few hours during the day, I cannot give any more than that because I am also needed elsewhere and in a more prioritized way. And accepting that that might not mean I reach my career goals in the timeline that I thought I would, fully accepting that, fully understanding that, and knowing that that's okay. It's okay for that to not be the crown jewel of my life right now. And it's necessary for it not to, because my babies, my children, my family deserve more of me as a mother than my career deserves more of me as an extremely high performing professional that's 150% invested in my career right now. And once I accepted that, I put it into practice. And the things that have helped me most in setting those really hard boundaries for myself are things like putting actual blocks for myself on my own personal and professional calendars and holding myself to those boundaries. I think I owe it I owe it to myself and I owe it to my kids to honor those boundaries while I'm still spending a good amount of my time on my career. If I'm going to continue having a job and continue having a career like I am right now, I need to honor those boundaries if I'm going to give the amount of time and care into my role as a mother and a wife and <laughs> into myself um, that I need to and that I, and that I want to. And what I've noticed from setting those boundaries when I am locked in to my job to my nine to five, I find myself being more focused on the time that I am giving my career. I'm locked in to that time more because I know that I'm not going to be working past four o'clock because I'm going to go get my kids and I'm going to have an evening with them and we're going to have dinner, go on a walk, go in the playroom, bath time, bedtime, time with my husband. And that stuff is non-negotiable. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes I'll have to end up working after hours if I need to get some stuff done. But setting those boundaries 
and setting that expectation for myself and my boss and my peers at work really allows me to lock into the time that I am giving this career and to fully disconnect to the best of my ability when I'm not. But what becomes tricky if we're putting if we're putting career and motherhood aside is that I have come to recognize that the it's the that third category of self and home and partner that I am generally guilty of putting in the back seat and not giving as much time as I do to being a mother and on my career. And those are two areas that I am not working on enough that I need to, specifically on self. (laughs) I've said this before in a lot of my Instagram stories. I do not work out. (laughs) I don't work out. It's something that I used to do all the time (laughs) before I had kids, like religiously. I love I I still love running. I but I loved running. I would love I would run 5 6 miles a day and just having that time outside with myself for an hour, 2 hours. Um boxing, I used to love going to boxing classes and having that hour, 2 hours to myself and really pouring into myself. That's an area that I don't pour into as much if at all anymore. I I try and manage my own wellness through things like diet, nutrition, go getting getting my steps in, going on some kind of short walk. But there's opportunity there for sure. And I think we already touched on the partner thing, right? We, we were talking about balancing date nights earlier. But I think there's there's never gonna be a perfect balance. And I'm talking a lot about career and motherhood, but there are other areas too that are just naturally suffering for me. Um, I think, and this is going to get a little meta and I I apologize, but but like creating content and this podcast and talking about my experiences uh, of motherhood and my career and my partnership uh, with my husband um, has been so fun for me. And I think this has been the first first time in a really long time where I feel like I am pouring into myself again. And again, there are, there are areas that I need to improve on, like uh, getting outside and um, getting a sweat. <laughs> but understanding that these areas, All these very important areas of my life are not always going to be a perfect balance. Um, Understanding that there are tools and boundaries that I need to really be disciplined on to make time where it needs to go. There's also another part about home life that I think I have a tendency to like spiral out of control with, and that is just managing my household. So laundry, grocery is cleaning, mostly cleaning, and getting so wrapped up in that. Uh, I could spend the whole day in my house just finding things to perfect or optimize or clean or organize, and that can 
be a little cray cray. And that's an area where I had to take a step back and say, is this deserving of my time? Or should I be taking a walk with my kids? Or can I be doing a task that I was I've been procrastinating at work all week, right? That's an area that I think I could improve on because I will walk into a room and just start organizing random crap that doesn't need to be organized. And so one thing I've started to do at the recommendation of other parents that (laughs) are super type A, like myself, is setting timer. Like it's another boundary mechanism, setting timers for myself when I'm cleaning. Not everything is going to be clean all the time. Like let me set a timer for 30 minutes and clean this area of the house or organize this area or take out old clothes that don't fit my kids and throw them into a box for 15 minutes. Setting timers and understanding that I used that time for what it was and now we're going to go do something else. And that fits into the larger career theme. I understand I only have 24 hours in my day that I can give fully. Hopefully some of them are reserved for sleeping. But through those boundaries, setting those boundaries, holding myself to them, I can show up, ideally 100% of myself can show up in that set period of time and then honoring that period of time and walking away from it and working on compartmentalizing things and working on not bringing my work home, which is ironic because I work from home, but being able to cut off work, be a mom, cut off fully being a mom and be a partner, cut off being a partner and being myself and going and getting some fresh air and understanding that there are so many roles, they do intertwine, they do all create yourself, your you as a person. They're all competing, they all deserve time, but there are just some areas that will always be number one or number two. And the more I work on that, the more I work on that effective navigation and boundary setting and showing up where I need to, it can be draining. It can be so draining and make for a ton of fatigue. And so fully recognizing that some days you just have to call an audible and melt into bed if you're able to. (laughs) I know that there are just some responsibilities you can't run away from. You can't just spend a full day in bed. But understanding that you should fully take advantage of calling out when you are obliterated and you need to just recharge and unplug from as many of those areas as you can. I think being a mom, though, is one that you can't fully unplug from that. And that's okay. But everywhere else, you have some kind of control over that, specifically in your career. The work's always going to be there. If you need to take a day off, I take a day off. I... If I'm not going to show up as my best self that day because I am just not 
there mentally. I try the best I can to be fully upfront with my manager or my peers and say, Hey, it's, it's not happening today. I'm, 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 I'm not going to be here. So in the words of Kylie Jenner, (laughs) I am in my era of realizing things and I am realizing that I love my boundaries. I'm getting used to them. I'm getting better at them. I have got a ways to go, but they have done me so much good. And I want to keep working at it because it's the only way you can do it all. If you have to do it all, if you have to do it all, use boundaries. If you don't need to have a nine to five, don't have a nine to five. That is an entirely separate conversation though. Um, This was really great. (laughs) Thank you, Carly, for that topic I would love to jump over into a couple of fun segments that I threw onto my Instagram. Let's start with the Q&A segment. So I threw out a Q&A question thing on Instagram to solicit questions so we can talk through them. I've got a few really great ones that I haven't prepared. (laughs) So let's see how it goes. The first question, I don't know if this person wants to stay anonymous or not, so I'm just going to keep it anonymous. The question is, what is your advice for how to help my husband prepare for first child and how he can help wife during first pregnancy? This is a great question (laughs) that I wish I would have asked during our first pregnancy. I think Something that was really helpful that I learned from my first pregnancy that I carried over into my second is writing down, well, writing down two separate things. One, there's just so much stuff you need to prepare when you're expecting a little one. So over the course of pregnancy, you'll be, you know, setting up the baby's space, getting a crib. So early on, just writing down all of the just sheer tasks, just sheer amount of tasks that you have to do and working through that list with your husband and identifying anything that can be even marginally easier to do by your husband, just let him do it. I think that allows him early on to feel super involved, super invested. You as a woman are doing most of the work. If you're pregnant, you're you're doing most of the physical work. The hormones are going to be taking such a toll on you that anything that, yes, you're capable of doing, but your husband is even more capable of doing in that time when you're creating a human inside of you, let him do it because it's going to make him feel capable. It's going to make him feel needed and involved and that he is playing an active role in ways that you are allowing him to to have a role in. I cannot tell you how many times I wanted to like build really heavy furniture by myself when I was pregnant with Jade. Like for what? <laughs> for what? Because because I'm because I'm uh what is it? What's the term? Nesting? Because I'm I'm preparing for baby. No, let him do all of that stuff. Let him go buy wipes, buy diapers, do all of the things that you can 
delegate because there is no downside to that. It makes him feel involved early on. It makes you feel like you can actually breathe because you don't have to do all these things that you're freaking out about. And then something that is a bit more on you as the mother, you need to start recognizing or having a a bit more understanding of what your needs are. And that's a super vague thing to say, but I mean this in a way of if you are struggling emotionally or you've gone through any kind of tough situations with your partner, even before the baby is here, acknowledge and recognize what you need in that moment. If you need your partner to leave you alone, if you need them to go buy you food, if you need to talk with them or breathe with them like what what are your needs in very stressful moments it doesn't even need to be stressful moments with them like any stressful moment what do you need from your partner start thinking about those things and write them down and I think that's something that we did not do my first pregnancy I had no clue what I needed as a person (laughs) in those really high stress moments. And when you bring a newborn home, the majority of the time it's a high stress moment and you're not sleeping. And if you don't adequately know or understand your needs, your partner sure is not going to adequately know or or understand your needs. So I think as much work you can do around that before baby comes home and and practicing that or at least talking through it or having it written down and talking about it with your husband is going to make you so much more prepared in the moment because it's going to be such a fog when you bring the baby home. You're not going to be able to effectively communicate in moments of high stress. But if you already establish between yourselves, this is what my partner needs in moments of high stress. We've talked about this. Let me pull on whatever whatever lever that has worked in the past for us. Start understanding your needs and how your partner can meet them before you're before you're in the moment. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've just wanted to scream in moments of high stress and where my husband just felt like he had no idea what to do or how to help. So that's a great question. (laughs) All right. The second question comes from it's Carly B. What's up, girl? What advice would you give new mamas, first time moms that you wish someone told you? So I think I'm going to answer this in a way that's a little different. Uh, because I feel like I was given a lot of great advice, but I didn't take any of it. <laughs> uh, I am, I tend to be super hard headed or I only take advice when it's kind of past the moment of taking advice. So I'm going to answer this as if the question was, what advice 
would you wish you would have taken that I was given in my early days as a first-time mom? And that is accepting help from everywhere. And it's tough to say that because we had we had Jade Peak pandemic. So you like help is help looked very different back then. Like you can't have a ton of I couldn't have a ton of my aunties in my apartment, you know, with just just being there. It was like crazy COVID times. So help back then might have been people cooking me meals and dropping them off at my doorstep or offering to fold my laundry <laughs> from a safe, from a safe distance or my my mother-in-law or my mom coming over to hold the baby for an hour while I begrudgingly took a nap I I think something I didn't do enough of during our first postpartum phase was taking all the help that was offered to me. I think I took some help when it was opportune and like, and it it lined up with what I thought was, you know, a, a good time to accept help. But even being comfortable with saying, I don't need this help right now, but can I like put a pin in that? Or can I take a rain check? Because I'll be totally upfront with you. This shit is really hard and I don't need help right now, but I know I'm going to need help tomorrow or I know I'm going to need help the next day. Like being that vulnerable and that comfortable with people that are clearly trying to help me, my friends, my family, my neighbors, anyone and swallowing my pride a bit and swallowing my ego and saying this does take a village (laughs) and it might not be a village that you see all the time, but understanding and and defining things that they can do that I'm comfortable with and taking that help. I, I think I fully missed out on the amount of help that was offered to me during that time. Uh, I think partially because I was kind of an emotional and anxious wreck during (laughs) my first postpartum experience, as you might've heard in, in the first episode, but yeah, uh, accept help. Accept help in the newborn phase, in past the newborn phase, any help. And you might not feel comfortable wanting to put a pin in it with some people, but for the people that are going to love you unconditionally, swallow your pride, swallow your ego and say, hey, I really appreciate the help you're offering me. I don't need this help right now, but this help is something I could use later can I can I like call you this weekend or something (laughs) and I'm super proud of myself because I've gotten more comfortable even with my closest group of friends saying like hey my, my husband's going on a boy's you know day this weekend I don't feel like I will have the energy to watch both kids for 12 hours can you come over and like help me or and spend time with your your niece and nephew. like it would really take a load off. And what's the worst thing that happened? They say no, like, okay, then I'll go ask somebody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's accepting, it's accepting the help for sure. Uh, and knowing that that doesn't make you any less of a mom. 
it makes you a more capable mom because you know that more love, more support will mean a more loved and supported baby. So yeah, take the help. Take the help, please. (laughs) All right. And the third question coming from Smashly Marie. Hey, Smashly. Love you, girl. (laughs) Your question is items for baby number two saved lots from baby number one. So our registry is scarce. Must haves for doubling up. This is an awesome question because we were very much in the same boat. Even though we had a boy after having a girl, we still had so much stuff. I feel like we put we put Jade in a bunch of unisex clothes, so even a lot of hand-me-downs. We didn't need a ton of clothing. But after having our second and he's now he's 14 months old today actually. So exciting. Um in, in looking back on the first year We bought a lot of things that we didn't put on our registry that we just didn't think we needed to um, just over time and and (laughs) realizing what it was like to have two two kids. Um, And the first was just clean sets of onesies. It might seem silly because you probably have a lot from, uh, from your first baby, but it really makes a difference to have that kind of clean set of onesies, real like basics. So bibs, onesies, things that are going to get dirty and destroyed. I think it, I we underestimated just how many we would go through and how differently he grew than, than Jay did. He grew so much faster. We ended up not having a ton of clothes within the three to six month mark. Because and I I don't remember why, but we would have we would be missing like chunks of clothes from certain age groups, and we would just go through things so quickly. They would get destroyed. You don't know how many blowouts your second baby is gonna have related to your first, so you might go through a ton of other basics um, that you maybe aren't thinking about putting on your registry. So even though you think you might have a lot, I would say add a bunch of onesies, add a bunch of bibs, add a bunch of socks. Oh my gosh. One thing that we didn't even think about was like Malachi loves to rip off his socks and throw them. And we don't have, we go through so many packs of socks a month for this kid because he just loses his socks. We take him to daycare. He does, he comes home with no socks. He puts his socks in his mouth on the way home. He drops them in the crevices of the car. (laughs) So I would say as many basics as you can. Bibs is another one. When you start having two kids eating at the table, like solid food, and because right now you you have one baby who's going to be eating solids, but once that second one starts eating solids, oh my gosh, you go through so many bibs and it's such a mess. Bibs, burp cloths, basics, uh, put basics on your registry. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones doubling up. If I I don't know what your situation is like for, uh, thinking through double stroll, like a double stroller system, but a good thing to consider is putting like big funds on your registry. So we, we, we had our eyes on this really great double stroller that we still use today that was pretty pricey. And so we thought it'd be cool to put like a, a stroller fund on our registry, which we did and, and it got fully funded. So that was amazing. 
And then think through all the, just the things that you're always going to need. You're always going to need groceries. You're always going to need diapers unless you're using cloth diapers. Always going to need wipes. So all of those things add up over time. So putting, you know, diaper fund or grocery fund on your registry, it might seem like a little boring for some of, of the of the people that are perusing registry. Like people tend to want to buy toys and gifts, Um but adding a qualifier there saying like, we have so many, you know, hand-me-downs and we have more than what we need from our first baby. We've been, we've been so fortunate to have a lot of those carry over into this, the second, um, baby, the second baby when we, when we bring them home. So we would so appreciate it if you, you know, <laughs> consider funding our meals for a week or, or whatever you want to get creative with. So, uh, those are the, the two the two bigger lessons that I learned. Again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of not putting bottles or passies on registries. And that's just based on my experience. Neither of my kids liked most bottles or passies. Uh, Malachi only took one kind of bottle and it was obnoxiously enough the most expensive bottle on the market. <laughs> but we wouldn't have figured that out without a bunch of trial and error of old bottles. So I would say... Hold back on the bottles and passies unless you're sure and there's really no way of being sure until they're here uh, when you can try a bunch of different kinds um, that hopefully you still have on hand. Okay, that was three questions. Thank you so much for submitting questions to my Q&A. I definitely want to do that for the next episode. We are already at like the 50 minute mark, which is incredible. So great. I hope you (laughs) I hope you're still here with me. The last segment, it'll be super quick that I want to do because it's so fun and so lighthearted. Uh, funny things my baby or toddler has done recently. This was another question that I posed on Instagram for people to submit. I only have one response to this so far, so I guess I can also say one that is funny, but also so incredibly humbling that happened to me this week. So my husband and I try our best to talk through emotions with our with our kids, well, right now with Jade because she's she's a little older. So whenever she gets mad or angry, she tends to throw things and she can throw things. And so we're trying to teach her to call out her emotion and take a deep breath, and then we talk through that emotion. So she <laughs> so she knows that when she takes a deep breath, she's managing through that emotion. I am not a perfect mom, so sometimes I will lose my cool. And the other night, I was home alone with the kids. Uh, my husband had an appointment, so they neither of them were listening. I was kind of at my my breaking point, and I just threw a stuffed animal on the ground because I didn't want to yell or raise my voice, but I wanted to show my frustration. And Jade visibly got upset. And she pointed at me and she said, mommy, you didn't take a deep breath. (laughs) And it immediately humbled me because I need to remind myself that I am not a, and nor do I want to be a do as I say, not as I do type of parent. It's just not, it's not my, it's not something I want to do. It's not my style. I'm fully embracing that. I need to work on my patience a bit. And I, well, first I, I started laughing because she's so right. She's so smart. 
and she put me in my place. And I was like, you are right. Mommy did not take a deep breath and that was not very nice. And so I tried to, (laughs) I tried to model the behavior that I want her to model. And I apologized to the stuffed animal that I threw on the ground. I gave it a hug and she, (laughs) she will now talk about it all the time. Mommy didn't take a deep breath or mommy needs to take a deep breath. And she's right. She's right. I need to take a deep breath. (laughs) And then Smashly is the only other person that entered something here. Funny things that Ashley's toddler has done recently. She heard me fart and asked if a bus was driving by. Oh my gosh. That's rude, but also great association skills on her part. Oh my gosh. So funny. Hopefully we get more of those next time if people are willing to share because our kids are some of the most hilarious humans on the planet. And I wish I could remember every single hilarious moment. Uh, But next time I'll, I'll try to have another one. And hopefully you guys do too. So I think... I don't want to I don't want to go past the hour mark. I think this is a great place to stop for episode 2. I love this, you guys. I hope that you're enjoying this too. Still very much figuring it out. We're figuring out this jingle. We're going to get it right. I think for episode 3, it would be cool to have a guest on. I don't know who that's going to be yet. I think it would be great if it is a fellow mama or an expecting mom and just having a very maybe candid conversation about pregnancy or challenges uh, that they're worried about and maybe having some cool dialogue. So I will work on getting a guest for episode three. If I can't get a guest, maybe I just force my husband Maurice to come on with me. He's got a great speaking voice. So (laughs) when in doubt, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great, great rest of your weekend and we'll chat soon. Bye. 